Hello and welcome along to this week's CLD Talks. I'm your host Victoria Barnett, taking over again this week from Connor. Today we're chatting with Jackie Howie. She's the CEO of Learning Link Scotland. We talk about how they support third sector organisations engaged with adult education in Scotland. We also discuss our career to date, the impact of volunteering and the importance of CLD. I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So hello Jackie, welcome along to CLD Talks this week. Do you want to tell me a wee bit about yourself and your career in CLD so far? Um, Hi, yes, it's a complete pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking. Um, Thinking about my career, I I started out in adult learning as a volunteer when I was a student at university. Um, One of my lecturers had started a place called The Number Shop, which was in Edinburgh. It was a drop-in place where people could improve their numeracy. And I just fell in love with adult learning then. Um, I really um, enjoyed doing it. So I ended up volunteering for a while and have been involved, and that was a long time ago, I've been involved in adult learning ever since. Um, So starting as a volunteer, ending up as a tutor, development worker, I work largely in the third sector, um, but I also have had a spell at Glasgow University um, working on a postgraduate adult learning um, qualification. And I've had um, a spell with Education Scotland and um, a number of different organisations, but on the whole, largely working in third sector adult learning. And do you want to tell me a wee bit about the organisation that you work with just now? Um, I work with Learning Link Scotland. We're a national intermediary organisation for third sector adult learning. So we consult and represent third sector adult learning in terms of strategy and policy development. Um, We also try our best to support the third sector in terms of professional learning, although we're a very small team. So we we do provide a lot of information, but uh, we also try and run um, CPD opportunities when when possible. And we try to encourage third sector organisations to measure the impact of their their work in the sector. So that's what Learning Link Scotland does. I'm the CEO, um, which sounds very grand, but there's only two of us. So um, I run the organisation. Tell me a wee bit about your day-to-day work. What sort of things does your day entail? Um, So on a a normal day, um, there would be a number of different meetings um, with partners. Um, We work completely in partnership with either with our membership in the third sector or across different sectors. We work across um, adult learning within college learning, um, local authority education, and also to some extent higher education. Um, but we also work across the CLD sector. So we will we'll work with our colleagues in youth work and community development as well. So a number of different meetings focusing around policy, practice, and um, collaborative work. Um, so I spend a lot of time in meetings. We do try to um, get information out to our members and to partners as well. So a lot of time preparing information and distributing it and developing those partnerships. So meeting people within the sector and trying to um, engage with people um, around the theme of adult learning. So although Learning Link Scotland is 
is was established by Enforce Third Sector, we do work really closely with um, colleagues in adult learning everywhere and colleagues in CLD everywhere as well. You talked to me a bit there about membership and I was looking on the website and I see there is a membership. So how, how does that work? We are a membership organisation and our members are made up of third sector um, practitioners. So we have organisational membership and practitioner members membership. Um, but in addition to that, we have a large number of contacts. So we distribute information to all of our contacts and members. So although we're membership um, and we represent third sector, most of our services actually are available for everybody cross-sectorally if, if they're interested. Um, we did used to have a membership fee, which meant that there were different services available for members that there were for non-members, but um, that disappeared a few years ago. And now really membership uh, is a contract whereby we represent the people who become members of Learning Link Scotland. So, um, yeah, we generally provide all of our services to everybody, but we work closely to support and represent our members. Do you do any specific membership events for everyone? Um, yes, we do. We have um, four network meetings per year, which are membership meetings. If we have projects, um, because we're a small team, we apply for various different project funds and we can employ more people at that point. So if we run projects, we tend to focus in on um, involving members in those projects rather than our contacts. So, yeah, the services that we um, spend most time developing and delivering, we would, we would dedicate towards our membership. To go back a wee bit when you were talking about your career, you said that you started out volunteering um, with adult learning. Did you always want to work in CLD or was there something else that you wanted to do before you studied? I had no idea what I wanted to do. I studied, um, I studied maths at university and I knew I didn't want to study maths anymore and I didn't want to be a maths teacher in the school. Um, and, and that was about it. And I thought, well, I'll try some volunteering work um, to, to just to give something a go, just um, for, to do something positive with my time. And that was when I volunteered um, at tutoring numeracy. Um, so that's what led me into it. So it wasn't, I, I had never, like almost 90% of people in CLD, I hadn't really um, planned to come into CLD, but my direct experience of working in adult learning specifically um, just led me there and made me want to stay because I enjoyed it so much. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking you were probably quite young to come into adult learning because I always think of traditionally the youth workers are younger and the adult workers tend to be a wee bit older. Do you find that is the case? Um, yes, I think especially now it's um, we're very much an ageing workforce. But I think um, when I started, I, I was working in Edinburgh and um, there were a lot of people who were volunteering I started as an adult numeracy tutor, but worked also in adult literacy. And at that time, the service was very much one-to-one. -one. So there were a lot of volunteers and um, there were a lot of younger volunteers at that point, interestingly. Um, but as the service changed and we became a lot more social practice focused, 
and the learning moved into group work rather than individual one-to-one -one tutoring. Um, I guess the volunteers who were there stayed, but we, we took on fewer volunteers as the service developed. So um, yeah, it has, it has always been more or less associated with an older workforce. But there are younger people who work in adult learning, and I'm really keen um, for younger people to recognise the, um, the sheer enjoyment you can have with working with adults, because it's a transformatory experience for them. Um, you know, people can really have, have a great experience by participating as learners in adult learning. So um, it's a great career for, for younger um, workers as well as older workers. I'm actually working with some colleagues in, in local authority and college learning as well to develop a new entry pathway into adult learning just for that specific purpose so that we can get some new people who might not have considered a career in adult learning, but to take on a, an entry pathway qualification to try it out, try some adult learning and hopefully, um, hopefully stay in the sector um, for, for a while and um, contribute to its development. So I think that that point about it being seen as a slightly older sector is valid. And um, we're trying our best now to, to take that on board. Yeah, that's really interesting. And the fact that you're trying to make those changes. I was talking just last week. So the previous podcast is from Jamie, who is an ESOL coordinator. And he talks about, again, how ESOL is generally, it's generally female and it's generally older people and he kind of breaks the mould a little bit with that. I think adult learning has been traditionally thought of as very female um, as well. You know, there's a lot of women involved in tutoring um, and it used to be very strongly associated with middle-class, middle-aged women who perhaps used to be teachers who ended up volunteering and working in the sector. But there are, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of men involved in the sector as well. And, you know, it, we are really, as I said earlier, in terms of trying to encourage a younger um, group of people into the workforce, we really recognise that we need a more diverse workforce as well, one that more fully represents um, the Scottish population. So we need more people from some of the sectors that aren't represented. So we're quite white, we're quite able-bodied. So we need to we need to expand in all areas and not just in terms of, of age. Um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me a wee bit about the role models you've had along the way. Is there anyone you've particularly looked up to? Well, there's been so many people. Um, I think I, I love the academics involved in adult learning. When I, when I studied, they were always slightly um, hangovers from the 1970s and their revolutionaries wearing uh, corduroy jackets and smoking pipes. And I loved that. I thought that was that was really good. Um, so um, some of my role models definitely came from studying at university. I studied at Edinburgh University for uh, postgraduate in community education at the time, I think it was. So yes, my, my lecturers at that point were David Alexander and Ian Martin. Um, um, so they were they were my first role models, but I think really. Throughout my career, as we mentioned, there's a lot of women involved in adult learning and most of my role models have been inspiring women who've been taking steps to, to bring adult learning to life. 
Um, I worked in Craig Miller in adult literacy in the early 1990s and I inherited a job from a worker called Jenny Sutty and she had just done such a fantastic job in recruiting women whose lives were really challenging who would not normally ever have engaged with educational services because they'd had such a poor experience of education themselves. And um, I was so inspired. It was such a hard task because she was such a great uh, role model to have. So it's a hard task to take over, but she really inspired me onwards. So that, that's always something that um, I think the hardest work is not in the kind of job I do now, which is um, more organisational. I think the hardest job is that motivational, um, encouraging, open, approach that you have to develop with people in order to welcome them into learning in the first place. I think that engagement part is the hardest part. So she was a real role model there because she was really good at that. And I'm always delighted to see a female CEO. I think it's nice to see how much the tides have been changing recently. Is that a role you ever thought in your younger years you would have? No, no, not at all, because again, most of the people were, who were in charge of, even the vol voluntary organisations where all the staff were women, most of the CEOs and leaders were men. It was absolutely classic. So I'd never really anticipated that. And I think another thing, um, this may be true for all CLD, but I think it's certainly true for adult learning. You don't tend to come into adult learning um, looking to better your career or um, do, do great managerial things or think of great projects. You tend to come into it because you really like working with people um, and you really like the, that kind of learning process. You like working with that. Yeah, so a lot of people are probably lack confidence in terms of looking towards management or thinking, well, I could take that on or I could contribute ideas there or a new project I want to look to develop. That, that tends to be maybe a little bit of a, a leap for people who come into adult education, especially if they come from a volunteer route. So we have um, Emma Whitelock in Leeds, Scotland, um, an organisation, an adult education organisation linking education and disability. Um, when I started, um, there was a female CEO at the Workers' Education Association, that was Jane Stewart. And um, well, she now works with COSFO, which is the Association of Scottish Chief Officers for Voluntary Organisations. So yes, it's very reassuring to see um, women in, in senior roles throughout Scotland. Can you tell me a wee bit about uh, the pandemic and how it's affected your organisation and what changes you've had to make? Yeah, the pandemic has had um, I guess it's had an impact, I guess less of a direct impact on us as an intermediary organisation than it has had on our members who are delivery organisations. So um, we were very able to take our work online. We were able to run meetings using Zoom. We, we don't have such challenges in the third sector about which platform we choose. So we don't have any limitations around the use of Zoom. Um, so in many respects for Learning Link Scotland, um, the move to online delivery hasn't been too upsetting um, other than witnessing and trying to support our members through the challenges that they've had. 
because they work directly with adult learners who don't have those digital skills to move swiftly to an online um, learning environment. They very often, I'm sure everybody here knows, they very often don't have the digital equipment, they don't have data, uh, or they don't have connectivity or the finances to get any of that. So that's that was a real challenge for our learners. So in that respect, it was really challenging for, for us. We have actually, um, thankfully, been able to become more fully national as a result of moving our services online. As I mentioned earlier, we're a very small organisation, so it takes a lot for us to um, carry out um, direct face-to-face -face delivery around Scotland, but it's um, relatively easy um, using digital technology where everybody is at the moment. So that's been one benefit for us. But as I say, the, the biggest impact has been for our members and their ability to, to deliver services. Um, and as one of our um, as one of our outcomes is to support the sector in terms of its development, in terms of the organisational and staff development, um, one of our, our key tasks was to try and ensure that people had access to training to improve their digital um, skills and also to the resources that they needed and any of the managerial processes that they needed to deliver online learning safely in their homes. So a lot, we did a lot of work around cyber and we continue to do a lot of work around cyber resilience as well for the organisations and for, um, for learners. I saw you run a project called Digitally Agile CLD. So that's kind of linking in with what you're talking about, isn't it? Yes, um, actually that project's concluded, but the work is still really valid. So I would urge lots of people to go out and, and look at um, what resources are still there on the Digitally Agile CLD project. And that was one of those projects that we ran across the CLD family. So we ran it in conjunction with YouthLink Scotland and SCDC, Scottish Community Development Centre. Um, so that was a CLD project. And, and this was long time before the um, pandemic. We recognised as intermediary organisations that um, practitioners just lacked the digital skills they needed in order to develop their work. So at that point, they didn't need to go fully digital, but Digital technology is such a useful resource for learning in all shapes and forms and to reaching out and connecting with people. And um, in a survey we did around digital skills, we found that adult learning practitioners were um, doubly uh, disadvantaged because I think maybe as um, we talked about a bit earlier, adult learning practitioners can also be a bit older and maybe more used to just direct delivery and, and the methods of group work rather than looking at how to use technology in their work. So it was a huge learning curve for most of the adult learning staff to be able to take it on online and it's been, it, I mean it's probably moved things forward in terms of delivery um, and uh, you know if we ever did get back to a, a state where there wasn't constant um, anxiety about the pandemic it will probably improve the quality of adult learning for learners but it's been a really tough process both for those educators and for the learners and in some cases adult learning organizations just um, ended up printing out resources and sending or hand delivering it to learners because because the challenges of doing things digitally were too much so it has been a really big 
curve, learning curve for our, our um, member organisations. I think it's funny that when you think now of these words you've never heard before in your life, like Zoom calls and Padlets, and I don't know, there's so many of them, and now they're just everyday chats. Nobody thinks anything of it. We say, well, I'll give you a Zoom call. Exactly, I know. It's quite incredible, really. And I think learners have also been in that journey. So I think um, it's actually been quite nice at some, at some points where the, the practitioner and the learner are, are learning together. <laughs> Looking back over your career, have you got any specific memorable highlights, whether it's something that happened or a project you particularly enjoyed? I think in terms of my career, I have really enjoyed um, different aspects of it. And I've been really fortunate to do different things. So as I said um, at the start, the, the joy of volunteering and kind of like falling in love with adult learning right at the start of my career was just a complete high for me. I loved the fact that you could help people through, through learning and that really had a positive impact on their lives. So that was a particular high. And then I loved when I worked at the university doing um, working with new adult learning workers. Um, I think tutor training is probably one of my most favorite things to do. But um, the position I had held there was a placement coordinator. So that was like the best of both worlds. I could take part in um, the education offered through the university, I could um, become an, an educator at the university, but I could also have really strong links with the field and be aware of everything that's happening in and around because as a placement coordinator, you need to have lots of pals and lots of places to take people on um, and work with. So that was, that was great. That was a really good role. And um, I really love working for Learning Link Scotland. I've always had a, a passion for a third sector. I think we have we're very fortunate in our freedom and the way that we can um, be quite, quite kind of developmental and quite um, spontaneous in the way that um, local authorities, not that they're not um, creative, but um, maybe have more systems to work through. So, for example, like the, the issue of Zoom during the pandemic, that's I know that's been a challenge for uh, local authorities, but third sector is a little bit more flexible there. And um, Although the uh, third sector does have a downside because we don't have uh, security of work and um, um, longevity of projects are never assured. I do like the, the approach that we have. So uh, working for Learning Link Scotland is, is probably the best job I could have right now. I'm really uh, enjoying it. I wish we had more money to support the sector more fully and we could have more staff to do more things. But as it stands, it's, um, it's really one of the, the highlights of my um, of my career. <laughs> oh, you never know. There might be someone listening today that can help you out there. Oh, that's right. Onwards and upwards, you never know. So when you were a placement coordinator, was that at Edinburgh where you studied? Was that the same university? No, it was at Glasgow. So I studied at Edinburgh, but I, I subsequently moved to Glasgow and I, I, I worked at Glasgow University. I have since worked with colleagues at Edinburgh University who are now retired who I uh, studied under, which was um, which was really strange, but it was really fantastic as well. That was what I was going to ask. How does it feel going back from studying there to, to working there? 
I think everybody that works at a university or indeed many other jobs suffers from imposter syndrome. So when I went back to Glasgow University and worked also in, in collaboration with people at Edinburgh University who I had studied underneath or studied with, um, it just felt really strange to begin with. I felt a bit um, embarrassed and you know I kept thinking that somebody was going to mark me and <laughs> my performance to date but actually you lose that really quickly and um, everybody is feeling the same thing but it was a revelation to me that the academics suffer from imposter syndrome as well so everybody is slightly anxious thinking that everybody else knows more than they do and um, so I think once you can get past that then um, then it's great and I, I you know I recognize that everybody at the university is are always delighted to hear from people that they used to work with, especially if they're still in the field that they were, were teaching them in. You know, it's um, so rather than be intimidated or anxious about uh, making contact with anyone that you've studied with in the past, I always think you should make those contacts, tell people how they've, they've helped you through and um, see what work you can do with them in the future. I think that's a, a good way to go. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is. Have you had any challenges along the way or has anything been a little bit difficult? Um, yeah, I mean, I think when I was starting out and uh, as you say, I was quite young in the world of adult learning. It did feel it felt difficult as a tutor. No, this wasn't an institutional thing. It was more of a um, personal development thing. It felt odd as a tutor trying to work with people who were older than me. So that was a challenge at the start. But again, that's, uh, you know, I got past that as my confidence developed. Um, I think the issue of um, a career path was a bit of a challenge. I never really, um, I've kind of always stumbled into things and I've been really lucky in my my career path I've ended up as I said earlier in the job I really love and um, but it, it was hard to see um, how you could have that path there are very many opportunities in in management in adult learning and there's not an awful lot of money in adult learning either so um, so it's hard to see a kind of career there and I think again that's something we're trying to uh, work on through, um, through a number of different groups that I'm in, particularly with the CLG Standards Council, they're trying to really um, highlight useful career paths for everybody within CLG. Um, and I do think that um, I'd mentioned earlier in adult learning, we tend to maybe not be as experienced in the world of, of management and negotiations. So um, I often say to some some people maybe we're just too nice you know when people are fighting for resources and we're fighting for to raise the profile and we're we're fighting to maybe fighting is a too strong a word but we're campaigning to um you know just to promote adult learning and to make sure that we're well funded and um well supported within the you know within Scottish government and within local authorities and within colleges and within the third sector but I, I think we're not as skilled in that area as as we could be so um I guess that has always been a challenge in adult learning and a challenge for me so yeah we yeah challenges there well being nice <laughs> well, being too nice isn't um, too bad a thing to say though <laughs> okay I don't mind that one that's that's an easy one to confess 
but sometimes you just need to be a little bit more um, business-like, I guess, at times. And uh, we need to work on that as a sector, I guess. Is there anything you'd like to be changed within CLD at the moment? I, I just think we, we need some more money. Um, we need a lot of investment across the board in CLD. Adult learning, again, has always been a poor cousin of youth work and um, perhaps community development too. And, we, you know, adult learning particularly needs a lot of investment to survive. We've been um, cut, cut, cut again time after time. So we definitely need some more funding. We really need to tell our story again and again. It is a bit... It's a bit downheartening the fact that we need to keep telling our stories. So when people talk about schools, everybody knows what happens in schools. So you don't argue about cutting the funding to schools, but people forget. You tell them what adult learning is and how transformational it can be for people. And then they forget about that. So you have to tell them again and again and again. So it would be great to raise the profile and have a really strong um, positive image for adult learning in, in Scotland and CLD. So I think that that would be that would really be something that I would I would change. So can we talk a little bit about the new adult learning strategy? Can you explain to us all what that entails? Yes. Well, um, I think it was two thousand and fourteen, but a while ago now um, we we worked together as a sector and published the statement of ambition for adult learning in Scotland which was a document that was really rallying for the adult learning sector. Every, it was had, you know, very strong support across the sector. It's outlined or it's highlighted the social practice model and it emphasised the fact that adult learning or learning should be lifelong, life-wide and learner-centred. And it was just really a, a, a great document that we could all rally around. But there was no strategy for it and there was no funding for it. So... Um, good as the document was, um, we didn't really make an awful lot of progress other than um, work that was carried out independently in uh, working towards some of the ambitions within the statement. So we really needed nationally to develop a strategy to make progress with adult learning in Scotland. So um, we have a strategic forum for adult learning made up of um, a range of key players for, um, for adult learning from a range of sectors and the draft has just been, the first draft has just been um, sent out for consultation at the moment. Hopefully it will highlight areas where we can um, develop for, for the better. So we're hoping that um, the implementation plan will um, really bring to life the strategy and um, will identify the partners and resources to enable that to happen. Um, so it's a lot more positive than it has been. Nothing is ever perfect. Um, I'm sure that there are ways in which things could be done better and more holistically, more consultation, more in consultation and etc. Um, but it's a really uh, great step forward um, in terms of developing the profile for adult learning and developing ways in which we can raise profile, raise funding, raise um, professional learning opportunities, raise career networks and pathworks, pathways, and um, just really kind of um, do all those things in adult learning that we've been wanting to do for, for quite a while. When do you think this will be ready to launch? 
Well, the plan is um, it'll be ready to launch later this year. So I think November time, I think around about then, I think we will take things forward. Um, as I say, we're um, consulting on the draft strategy just now. The implementation plan still has to be written. So that's the, the time gap really between the consultation with the draft strategy and the, the publication of the strategy. Just like um, all CLD partnership working is so important to you. Can you tell me about what you feel the real benefits are? Oh, I think completely. I don't think uh, I couldn't have worked in adult learning and CLD without partnership working. I think it's so important. We are a relatively small sector um, in Scotland and we can do so much individually and so much more collectively um, in partnership. So I would always want to champion third sector adult learning, but I recognise that third sector adult learning cannot survive without local authorities, it can't survive without colleges, it can't survive without youth work or community development. So we just, um, we're just better together. We have a, a stronger voice together. Um, we're more creative when we're working together across those different sectors. Uh, we can pull in more resources if we work with some of the, the bigger, the better resourced uh, partners. And it's just it's just the way forward. And I think there's been a lot of really good partnership work has developed over this past year and a half for a number of different reasons, because it's had to, but also because it's it's worked. So a number of different uh, people at strategic level have got together and worked in partnerships that wouldn't normally have, but also at a very local level just to make things happen. People have been working together. Um, to share digital resources or to share volunteering services. So I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's how, how we should always be working within CLD. And you mentioned volunteering a few times and this week, as we're recording, this is actually Volunteers Week. Can you tell mm -hmm. me about the value that you see volunteering bringing? Oh, absolutely massive. I think it's, um, I think for adult learning service is services, a lot of people rely completely on volunteers. I know that of one organisation where they deliver um, ESOL services in Glasgow completely by volunteers um, and many other services could just not deliver if volunteers weren't there. But I think it's not just the practicalities of not being able to deliver if people aren't there. I think volunteers bring so much to an organisation. So you're able to um, engage. It's another little bit of engagement, isn't it? So you engage with a whole range of different people who want to offer their services um, and brings, bring their expertise. So people may come from a whole range of walks of life. So they might start out as a, a literacy volunteer, but actually be really, really good with digital technologies to be able to help other uh, tutors or learners learn in that respect as well. So I think volunteering is more than just the, the thing you're brought in to volunteer for. Um, I do think CLD as well has a, a, a role to um, create a, a just and equal society. And I think by engaging volunteers who might not normally engage in some of those activities is um, or, or meet some of the people that they, they end up working with, I think that can contribute to uh, a, just in, um, a just and more equal society because people can 
working areas they wouldn't normally go into and then realise actually folk are the same everywhere. So I think it's, um, I think volunteering brings so much both to the um, organisation they work with um, and the people they work with and, and to the volunteers who volunteer their time themselves. And if it hasn't been for volunteering, you wouldn't be here now. You could have no. might be a maths teacher or whatever. Maths I know, or I might, I might be an accountant or something that terrible. But um, yeah, no, absolutely. It was really crucial to me in, in trying to work out what I wanted to do. And actually, I think that's a really good reason for volunteers to exist, that people can try out different things. A lot of people work in CLD because they did some volunteering, whether it's with their local youth club or a sports club or um, as, as I did in, in adult learning. So um, it's really good for the volunteers to try something out. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So aside from the new adult learning strategy, is there any of the work that you're doing just now that you want to give a wee mention to? Um, well, I think I've already mentioned the, the work around cyber resilience that we've been doing. It's it, it's kind of really, we've always had a, a connection with um, the work that the Scottish Government and third and SCBO, Scottish Council for Voluntary Organisations, have done around cyber resilience. Um, and it's just become so vital. There's a, a high percentage of organisations have suffered from um, some sort of um, side effect of, of not being terribly cyber secure. And it's always bottom of our list and things to do. But we're almost, well, right now we're, we're CLD is carrying out 80 to 90% of its work online. So I think that's something we really need to be looking at. So that's something we've got an ongoing commitment to do that has really been highlighted um, over the past year or so. So the final question that we always ask is what advice would you give to somebody who is starting their career in CLD? Yes, yeah, so I think the advice I would give is to try out as many different aspects of CLD as you possibly can. I often regret that I didn't try more um, opportunities in youth work when I was a bit younger and I got very fixed in adult learning in my, um, in my career, but CLD is um, really valuable in terms of it being a kind of truly collaborative um, profession so you can have a, an expertise in adult learning but also have worked with youth work in, in community development so I think try out as much of it as you possibly can before you think about which areas you would like to develop and I think try and keep that uh, commitment that you start with so you come into CLD because you believe that you can make a change for people in some capacity and that you have hopefully have a commitment to social justice. So hold on to that and um, don't let it just become a job. Hold on to the, the reason that you started in it with. The reason that you started in the first place. So if people want to find out a wee bit more about what you do, where can they find the information? Um, they can find us on our website. It's learninglinkscotland.org. And also, actually, uh, we do put out a lot of information on Twitter, and it's at learninglinksco. So um, I'm sure I'm sure you can find that on our website as well. So that's probably a good place to start. That's where we do most of our up-to-date information. 
Thank you so much, Jackie, for joining us this week. That was a really interesting conversation and I definitely learned a lot about adult learning I did not already know. If you want to find out more information, please contact Jackie directly or through the website. And don't forget, all the CLD talks are still available to stream online. So have a look wherever you get your podcasts from and enjoy. Hope to see you again next week. Thanks to Connor for handing this over to me again and see you soon. Bye.